Today's date is July 31st. We are reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, Chapter 7, Working with Others, pages 93 to 94. Beginning with page 93, when dealing with such a person, to and including page 94, outline the program of action. Karen C. will be our reader, followed by a 20-minute share by Zara. Go ahead, Karen. Hi, this is Karen Z. Karen C. <laughs> Recovered compulsive overeater from New Jersey. When dealing with such a person, you had better use everyday language to describe spiritual principles. There is no use arousing any prejudice he may have against certain theological terms and conceptions about which he may already be confused. Don't raise such issues, no matter what your own convictions are. Your your prospect may belong to a religious denomination. His religious education and training may be far superior to yours. In that case, he's going to wonder how you can add anything to what he already knows, but he will be curious to learn why his own convictions have not worked and why yours seem to work so well. He may be an example of the truth that faith alone is insufficient. To be vital, faith must be accompanied by self-sacrifice and unselfish constructive action. Let him see that you are not there to instruct him in religion. Admit that he probably knows more about it than you do, but call to his attention the fact that however deep his faith and knowledge, he could not have applied it or he would not drink. Perhaps your story will help him see where he has failed to practice the very precepts he knows so well. We represent no particular faith or denomination. We are dealing only with general principles common to most denominations. Outline the program of action, explaining how you made a self-appraisal, how you straightened out your past, and why you are now endeavoring to be helpful to him. It is important for him to realize that your attempt to pass this on to him plays a vital part in your own recovery. Actually, he may be helping you more than you are helping him. Make it plain he is under no obligation to you, that you hope only that he will try to help other alcoholics when he escapes his own difficulties. Suggest how important it is that he place the welfare of other people ahead of his own. Make it clear that he is not under pressure, that he needn't see you again if he doesn't want to. You should not be offended if he wants to call it off, for he has helped you more than you have helped him. If your talk has been sane, quiet, and full of human understanding, you have perhaps made a friend. Maybe you have disturbed him about the question of alcoholism. This is all to the good. The more hopeless he feels, the better. He will be more likely to follow your suggestions. And I pass. Thank you so much, Karen. Okay, now I would like to introduce our speaker, Zara. Zara. And I am really looking forward to hearing what she has to say to bring light to these pages. Thank you, Zara. Thank you so much, Tasha. I'm really excited to be here. I'm Zara J, compulsive overeater. I started in New York, so very close to Jersey. I've lived in Jersey and now I'm in Atlanta. And I wanna say thank you to everyone who's doing service today. And I wanna say a special thank you to Kim G, of course, who invited me. And I have to say that it is kismet 
that I'm speaking on working with others because I have become a better sponsor this year because of Kim G's amazing workshops, um, the one on 10 and 11. And I don't know if I listened to a podcast on a vision for you, but somewhere I heard her talk about working with others. And so it makes so much sense to me. It delights my heart and I'm honored to be here to talk about what has become my favorite chapter. Um, and just a chatty footnote, my favorite step is step two. So you see my phone number, feel free to reach out to me anytime to talk about my favorites. Um, what I wanna share with you all today um, is I wanna give you a sense of my story as I understand it when it comes to this sentence of what was read on page 93. When dealing with such a person, what kind of person is such a person? Well, you would have to remember or just look in your book and go back about a page or two to understand why they're referencing such a person. So I almost wanna think of such a person as a character today, like Zara, like Tasha, like Kim, like Marianne. Now I'm just calling out names like Jolanda that I see on the Zoom. Thank everyone, thank you all for joining. So such a person, why well, I wanna to talk to you about what the big book calls these five traits or these five pieces of information you would wanna have about such a person in order to know that they equal a real alcoholic. Um, and in our case, a real compulsive overeater. And so the five pieces of data, I work in tech, that you need is behavior, problems that this person, this such a person faces, background, seriousness of condition, and religious leanings. And so I want to start with behavior. So I'll tell you about my behavior. The biggest aha moment for me, the biggest awakening for me so far in program, and I'm about 20 days away from my two year anniversary, is that I knew I had low self-esteem. My behavior showed it. I would be very self-centered, <clears throat> but also insecure. So I want you to love me. Um, I want you to give me that job. I think I earned it. I think I showed you. <clears throat> I want you to want to take me on a date. I think I look cute enough sometimes, but then I also tell myself, you're not good enough. You're ugly. You're not as pretty as this person. Or when it comes to the job, you're not as smart as the other people. You haven't been in tech long enough. And so why the split personality, right? Like on the one hand, I'm telling myself positive things that I deserve. And on the other hand, I'm telling myself all the reasons why I don't deserve those things. This is one way that I'm insane in my behavior. And so that helps me understand if I am talking to another person, such a person, that there's something going on with them that may be a little bit unmanageable. When it comes to problems, 
So my behavior was insecure. My problem was absolutely self-will. That's definitely the big umbrella that we all live under. Specifically for me, a 42-year-old African-American woman who's highly educated but who grew up very poor, my main problem was how do I see myself as worthy? Where it comes from inside. Because what I just described to you is not the sort of child of HP that I know I am today and that if I have my job or not, if I have a date or not, I don't have a date, I'm very single. <laughs> but if I have these things or not, I'm okay. I never believe that. I have to have something outside of myself to be okay. That was my problem. Of course, we know powerlessness, self-will is our big capital P problem. But I hope you identify in with me when I say my problem was really one that came from not being able to be okay with myself unless I could attach something from the outside to that value. I can't just be valuable on my own. And one way we know this in our society is we really don't value like a homeless person, for example, right? You don't have a home, you don't have a job maybe, Actually, a lot of homeless people do work. They're called the working poor. But we attach these things. So it makes so much sense that I don't love myself unless I have these things. However, it's a problem that's permeating and my life is unmanageable. So I'm such a person. Imagine if I hadn't found this program, right? I'm that person who you're working with in the very early stages it's not quite an interview yet. It's a meet and greet. And you happen to bump into what may be a real compulsive overeater. You're know, like, okay, her behavior is self-effacing, uh, check. You know, Her problem is that she doesn't love herself. There's something rocky here, check, right? And then the big book tells us what's their background. Okay, so when it comes to my personal story, my background coming two years ago, right, coming uh, up to um, discovering that I'm a real compulsive overeater, I'm such a person, um, I'm the archetypal character <laughs> that the big book is talking to, is a year before I found program, I knew about program. And so I had heard about Alcoholics Anonymous, but I didn't know the big book. I had heard 12 steps on like uh, Seinfeld, right? Like one of the characters, the smaller characters um, had to do step, had to do an amends. Um, and so I knew a little bit, but I didn't actually know what it was about. The main thing I didn't know that the pages that we're focused on today is that it was a spiritual program, right? And so I knew it was something for people who had an addiction, but I didn't know what the basis was, the principles. And so that was before 2019. 
2019, August actually, I had a doctor's appointment and my doctor was saying she wanted me to lose weight. I said, I want to lose weight, but all my normal ways aren't working. And she said, okay, I'm going to put you in touch with a, not a dietitian, but like a wellness expert. Um, and so I talked to that woman for the very first time in about five minutes. She doesn't know me from Adam or Eve. And she says, this sounds like food addiction. That went over my head. I was like, you know, I'm in therapy, you know, and I've worked on myself a lot. I was 39 and I, I just kept talking. A year later, it's August 2020. I'm at my highest weight. I'm in my apartment in New York City and I'm miserable. I'm eating everything. It's the pandemic and I'm in New York City. It might as well be Wuhan at that point. It was so bad. And I lived across the street from Harlem Hospital. And so between the claps for the staff around 7 p.m. and the ambulance all the other times of day, it was a madhouse and I was alone. And the pivotal moment, so I'm kind of talking to you as a writer, which I am, and the apex, right? So that rising climax is someone in my family passes away. And instead of a Zoom funeral where they could only see my gorgeous face and not my ballooning body at that point, we had an in-person funeral. And I was terrified. I was so terrified that my family, who is doesn't have any boundaries, you probably can relate, when it comes to telling you how you look, was going to tell me how I look. And they were going to be honest. And I didn't want to hear it. I did go to the funeral. And on cue, they were the character I know them to be, which is very honest, and say, whoa. You know, if you don't get this weight off of you, dot, 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 with the rest of your life and, you know, you're already single, do you need anything else to, to have to worry about or to keep you from the relationship you want? The things that family members tell women or any single person um, out of kindness. <laughs> um, and so I went back home, flew back home. I said, what did that wellness expert say again? She said, food addiction. I found Overeaters Anonymous. And the rest is kind of history. They were like, you have to go to about five or six meetings so you can understand, did it all. I'm a very good student. I'm highly educated. I got my A plus for you know, getting onto the program. And the rest is history. That's my background. So my background for such a person is that I had heard of food addiction, but it had not registered that I was a food addict. And most of the people, I won't say most of the people because I have no idea actually, but some people we talk to will have had some idea, right? We're working with others, we're working with someone who we're kind of trying to identify what their behavior problems, background, seriousness of condition and religious leanings are. Um, and we 
are going by the story that they tell us and we're identifying in, right? And so at this point, I wanna talk to you about the fourth thing the big book describes ahead of our pages today. They say the seriousness of the condition. Now this perplexed me, like I was really, to me the, the big book is so well written, written that I was really able to identify in with most of it. But when it comes to like hospitalization and other things like that, when I, two years ago, maybe even today, if I'm being honest, I was really like, okay, they're being hospitalized. They're really sick, cirrhosis of the liver. How does this relate to me as an overeater? I've never been hospitalized. I don't have to kind of like dry out, but it does relate because remember the disease is two part. And so I may not have to dry out my body, although I did, because I'm pandemic stuffing my face, right? And so I actually got, um, I forget what you call them at the moment, but I got hives or something when I, when I was getting rid of all that food, like when I started my food plan, like the, it was coming out of my skin, basically. So like, I actually did have to detox from the food, so to speak, um, but really the mental twist, right, is where I saw the most, um, almost like if I was going to be in a, a sane asylum, it would have been from my, my thoughts. And so my condition was serious because I did not feel comfortable enough that I was going to be able to be okay and not like have to be rushed to the hospital if I didn't figure out how to stop stuffing my face so much that I was sick in the stomach. And so the seriousness of my condition at that point, like if that person is telling me such a person, oh, you know, um, you know, like my doctor told me I have IBS, but I still eat the same thing. My doctor told me I have diabetes, but I haven't been able to get on the diet that they're they're recommending or the food plan they're recommending. So sometimes people will present to you with medical conditions that may not be as severe. I wanna say like you have to dry out, you're at an insane asylum, but you are not following the doctor's orders is a really good way. And so, um, that's the seriousness of condition. Mine was serious. My doctor was telling me. Five minutes, um, Sarah. Thank Five you minutes. so much, Tasha. And then relig religious leanings is the last piece of data that we need to figure out where this such a person is and how we should proceed. My religious leanings, if you were talking to me, trying to figure out if I'm such a person, are, yeah, when I was younger, I went to church but I started to hate myself because I was such a big sinner that I stopped going. And now I just meditate. Um, I do transcendental meditation. And as far as I'm concerned, the world is going to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that would have been who you would have met two years ago. So I had a prayer life, but I was not committed. And my faith was definitely at a zero. I didn't have that faith of a mustard seed that the Bible, one religious book talks about. And so 
I didn't have any religious lip, uh, leaning. I had broke ties. I had severed ties. And the big book does tell us about that kind of person. So I check all the boxes, right? Um, and as I wrap up, I've checked all the boxes so that you know I'm such a person. And I can actually wrap up these two paragraphs, or maybe it was three, I think, three paragraphs in about three minutes, and then we can move on with today. And so what I would say about the first paragraph, when dealing with, a, with such a person, you had better use everyday language to describe spiritual principles. I mentioned that I'm a writer, creative writer, is my kind of calling. Tech writer is what pays the bills. And in tech writing, we write at a sixth grade education. Now this is for big old companies. Engineers are reading this down to, or not down to, but across to like maybe a six year old is reading something that I write to figure out their new iPhone that they got for their birthday to someone who's trying to program something. But we write in simple language because the process may be complex enough so that every step of the way becomes clear and definite. And so be definite when you talk to such a person that I've described. In the second paragraph, which I will not reread, it was very well written earlier, very well read earlier. Okay, so if this person is someone who knows a re the religious texts of the world really well, then maybe you can be a spark in sharing with them that faith and knowledge alone is not enough. I shared with you my experience with re religious leanings. What's important here is that we understand that what the person may have been missing is practicing unselfishness and constructive action. And so you can point that out to them. And then in the third paragraph, what's really, really liberating for such a person to know and for you to be able to share with them is that you should not be offended if he wants to call it off for he has helped you more than you have helped him. I cannot tell you the number of people I've talked to in program, the number of fellows who have sort of chased after sponsees. Well, the big book tells us that is unnecessary and that we should not be offended. I know that there's a lot of people who are in program, right, on these calls. And so it may be kind of um, a new experience to find someone who needs to be sponsored. And so I have chased after sponsees too, but we may ruin a later opportunity. And so it's very important to have a posture that we are helping them more than they're helping us. It is so vital to some of the things we write 10 steps about, like boundary issues and people pleasing, Sponsoring is this great workout for self-will. And right there in that sentence that I just read, the big book says, do not chase after them. That is probably my biggest reward 
from one of the talks um, that Kim G gave. Maybe one of my other rewards related to this, because I have so many trophies on the wall of my program from Kim G and from all my other fellows, my sponsor. Um, maybe the other reward, and then I'll close, is that if I chase after someone, if I'm not the right sponsor for them, I may hurt them. And we are supposed to put others their needs, their wants, sort of before our own. Like this is the, the definition of service. And so I just want to encourage everyone to have that posture and to see uh, themselves as um, always receiving the highest good from your HP, even if it feels like you got broken up with. So thank you so much for allowing me to speak